Monster Movie Fun Time Goes Second Annual 31 Days of Horror. Day number nine. With me today, I have another guest back from last year's marathon, Michelle Whitfield Taylor. Welcome to the show, Michelle. Hello, Dominic. I'm so glad to be here again. Thanks for joining me. Today, we're discussing. The Lost Boys from 1987. It is in color. It is 98 minutes. Directed by Joel Schumacher. Only his third film to direct. Yeah. Stars Jason Patrick as Michael Emerson. Corey Haim as Sam Emerson. Kiefer Sutherland as David Powers. Brooke, when do we ever learn his last name? Never. (laughs) Brooke McCarter as Paul. Bill Worth as Dwayne, Alex Winter, woo, as Marco, Ooh. Diane Wiest as Lucy Emerson, Corey Feldman as Edgar Frog, Jameson Newlander as Alan Frog, Jamie Gertz as Star, Edward Herman as Max, Barnard Hughes as Grandpa, Chance Michael Corbett as Laddie, Alexander Bakken Chapman as Greg. That must be one of the vampires whose names we never hear. Right. Nori Morgan <laughs> as Shelley, Kelly, Joe Minter as Maria, and Tim Capello as shirtless, oiled up shirtless. saxophone player. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he is a real saxophone player. He played with Tina Turner, is featured right. in a couple of her videos. He was kind of big at the time. As was the saxophone in pop music. True. In the 80s. We don't get much of that anymore. Sometimes I miss it. (laughs) This is, to me, one of a... It's the culmination of sort of a trilogy of 80s vampire movies. We had Fright Night in 85, Vamp in 86, and Lost Boys in 87. And I just love all three of those movies. And I didn't see the other two. Like, I... I missed those, I guess, because we got sexy vampires with the Lost Boys, and that's what I was concerned with. <laughs> uh, excuse me, Chris Sarandon in Fright okay. Night, I okay. would say, qualifies as a sexy vampire. And <laughs> Grace Jones in Vamp, a different kind of different sexy kind of vampire. Sexy. Sure. But they were definitely trying to make her sexy vampire. That was the vibe right. that they were going for. She was seducing the hell out of that guy. (laughs) Well, and I was only 11 when Lost Boys came out, so I didn't actually see it at the time. I had a friend who had an older sister who I guess when we were in high school rented it uh, and showed it to my friend. And my friend was like, you've got to watch this movie. You should make all of us watch it. Um, And so it kind (laughs) of it got a resurgence from like uh, kids in my generation when we realized that it was out there. Yeah, because right. it was like, it was about five years later, probably, that we, we all found it on VHS. Mm. No, I I saw Fright Night and I saw Lost Boys in the theater. 
I don't think I saw Vamp in the theater. I think I saw it on HBO. Of course, then I saw both all three of those multiple times on right. HBO, and I own them all now. Watch them whenever I want. Right? Do you stream or do you still do you still have like a like a, a player? I have both options. So okay. I tend to like to get a backup, di- even if I have a physical copy. If I see something on sale for digital that I, I like, uh, I'll get it, especially if it's going to be a upgraded, higher quality. Right. Okay. If I only have the DVD and they're wanting to sell me the HD or a 4K version, then right. I'll definitely do that. I just, I, don't, I just don't trust the digital. I, you know, I just, I feel like when the apocalypse happens, like... Yeah, that, that's why I like to have both because, right. I mean, I've been in the position of losing all my physical stuff and being glad mm. that I have a digital backup, but True. someday that digital shit's going to crash. Yep. <laughs> of course, now they want me to upgrade my HD movies to 4K Ultra HD. Yes. It's like, yeah. we already own this. Like, if I had just bought it in <laughs> UHD, I would have three different qualities. You know, they're all included. Right. But if you made right. the mistake of buying it early, now they want to charge you extra to upgrade it. I think. Yeah, no, don't should. don't buy it now. Wait, wait until the the best thing comes out. I guess. Well, 8K exists, but nobody has it. Oh well, okay. I've seen I've seen that 8K televisions exist. I'm like, what am I going to watch on that? There's what? nothing exactly. Available. There's nothing in 8K. <laughs> the time did I say it's 98 minutes? The budget 8.5 million. Right. Box office thirty two point two million, so pretty good there. Good turnaround. The death count is eighteen or seventeen, depending on if you think David died. Right. Because he gets impaled, but he does not melt or turn to stone or burst into flame or explode. He does not. He does become very like angelically innocent looking, uh, which makes me think that even if he, yeah, even if he did survive, he would no longer be. A vampire because his sire was now dead. Well, I think that only works if you haven't killed and he has. Oh, okay, I suppose killed. that's possible. Okay. Yeah. yeah. The, although okay. The, I will say the rules in this movie are inconsistent. Very inconsistent. <laughs> because they make a thing about you can't come in inv- uninvited unless you were attacking and just jump through the window, in which case you can. Right. Come but in you know, uninvited. I did when I rewatched it this morning because that was a question that I had. And, and he doesn't say, I can't come in. But what he says is, if you invite me, then you're powerless. And like all of the things ah. that show you that I'm a vampire will not be apparent because you've invited me. So I suppose okay. if you don't invite, they can still come in, but you can still tell that they're a vampire, which I thought okay. was also interesting because the other hole in that scenario is that, you know, Jason Patrick's character, Michael, as he's turning into a vampire, he begins to lose his reflection in his own home. Mm-hmm. So that's true. Is that a transitional problem or is that like a plot hole? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Well, and what does he mean by powerless? You know, yeah, garlic doesn't work. At some point, garlic never works. I watched garlic never works, apparently, until it does. I watched all three of the movies yesterday. Okay. And I believe in the first one, he says garlic doesn't work. One of the vampires says garlic doesn't work. And he says, well, how about holy water? Because fortunately, they've mixed holy water and garlic. Apparently with regular water. Right. It was diluted. (laughs) But then in the second and third movies, I think in both of them, Corey Feldman is still using garlic Hmm. and it appears, it appears to work. 
So they're not consistent within the movie and they're not consistent from movie to movie. So that's wow. annoying. Because <laughs> yeah. I really do like this movie. I really do. Don't people have a job? Favorites. Isn't that a job? Like the consistency person? Isn't that something you get paid to do? <sighs> no. There is. Oh. <laughs> there should be. <laughs> well, the thing is, there's a continuity person. Uh, uh, that, And I'm not sure if that's the same or different from the script supervisor. There's a person whose job it is to make sure you're wearing the same hat. You know, if you film part of a scene one day and film part of it another day it's their job to make sure that you didn't switch hats or shirts or everything's in the right position they're not paying attention obviously to lore they're they're not in charge of making sure the script is consistent well the other thing too is that when i listened to um i listened to Kiefer sutherland and jason patrick talking about it at one of the comic cons and uh they said there really wasn't a script like it was very um kind of fly by you know that they would talk about a concept and do it and later the script was was written out so that people could have it mm-hmm. but they didn't really have a script right because i did see apparently they handed the script over to a, a writer to make a novelization out of craig Shaw right. Gardner. yes copy yes. he had seems to have some scenes that were cut so oh yeah deleted scenes yeah i've heard about that yeah like uh a scene showing um michael Getting a job that pays for his leather oh, okay. jacket, things like ah. that. Job picking up trash or something like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know what else. So yeah, twenty-one years later, they made Lost Boys: The Tribe in two thousand eight, starring Angus Sutherland, Kiefer's half brother. Yes, <laughs> sixteen years young. My note on that was before I looked up and I'm sure I must have looked it up in the past but before I realized who he was I just wrote down this guy is no Kiefer <laughs> he's and no Kiefer he's not he's not well maybe if he had the same mother uh, he'd have a little more Kiefer going on I don't know I don't know what accounts for the lack of Kieferness, but uh, yeah just uh, yeah. folks just just don't <laughs> Don't hire the half brother or the son or the cousin of the star of the movie you're making a sequel to, unless they're really, really good. Don't just hire them for well, gimmick. Apparently, purposes. Tom Hanks's brother is like he's he's blowing it up as uh, Woody in all of these like TV things. Oh, so. is, he do- is he doing the? Voice yeah, he's doing all the Woody? voices for that. Yeah, he's doing Woody for that. Uh, that reminds. So it works for um, them. I don't know. You know, they've hired Charlie. People have hired Charlie Sheen's brother, not yes. Charlie Sheen, the the no. the the, fa- the uh, father, Martin. Uh, Martin Sheen. Yeah, they've hired his brother to do voiceovers for political ads because Martin's known for his liberal politics. Conservative politicians in the past hired his sound-alike brother to imply that Martin Sheen was oh, endorsing good grief. them, and that oh yeah, wow. That is a, that is a douche move. Yeah, dick move. <laughs> uh, there was, oh, so let's get back to Lost Boys. Though. Got it. There was a comic book sequel that was kind of a prequel to the tribe mm. called Lost Boys Reign of Frogs. Reign is in a rule, <laughs> but also, you know, yes. a pun there for right. biblical Frog things brothers. happen sometimes with magic right. and rains, frogs raining. And in that one, David did survive, and I guess they finish him off. Again. And he says that the vampire in the tribe is his half-brother. So, 
I haven't read it myself. I was going to buy it if it was available digitally, but it is not. So let's let's get into the details of this movie. Michael Emerson and, and here's the this is the summary from Wikipedia. Thank you, Wikipedia. I just made yep. my annual donation. People support Wikipedia. Good job. Michael Emerson and his younger brother Sam move with their recently divorced mother Lucy to the fictional small beach town of Santa Clara, California, to live with her eccentric father, Michael and Sam's grandfather. Michael and Sam hang out at the boardwalk, which is plastered with flyers for missing people. Ah, uh, before this, though, the opening scene is a couple in a car, right? Getting attacked? Uh, no, that's after. The opening after? scene. Yeah. The opening scene is the um, carousel. Yes. And they just get kicked off then and the then guard they kill gets the policeman or the security guy. They, yeah, they harass the, the Lost Boys, harass people on the carousel. Who turn out to be the couple that we see later, yeah. Okay. And uh, the security guard throws him out, and uh, they get him in the parking lot. Right. This I wrote, uh, one of my notes was that this movie is fairly bloodless through most of it. Yeah, yeah. It's a long, long time. I thought it was going to be totally bloodless until the bonfire. Then I was like, oh, okay. We actually do see somebody get bit. But the first couple of attacks, we don't see anyone get bit. And we no, don't we see do any not. blood. We just see them reacting and screaming. And being carried off. Yeah. Yeah. We get a little bit. These vampires can fly without they can fly. turning into. And they don't turn into bats. Because they apparently make their own wind. But, I think is how yeah, this is the mechanics. Yeah. They don't turn into bats, but they do sleep upside down as yes. if they were bats. <laughs> yes. Uh, and we get our first little snippet of Cry Little Sister by mm-hmm. Gerald McMahon which he wrote for this movie without having seen any of the movie. And Schumacher yes, said, you wrote the perfect theme for my movie without seeing a frame of it. So yeah, it's great. It's one of this and people are strange. It's just two of the best uses of uh, pairing a song with a movie. Yeah. I put it, I put it right up there with red right hand in the scream movies. Ah, okay, yes. So, uh, Michael and Sam hanging out. Lots of uh, missing posters, missing children, which in the next two movies we continue to see that theme. Uh, Missing posters all over the place. Lucy gets a job at a video store owned by Bachelor Max Lawrence, and he also runs the Lost Boys out of the store. Right. Uh, Michael becomes fascinated by Star, a beautiful young girl he spots on the boardwalk, Though she seems to be with the mysterious David, the leader of a youth biker gang. Yeah, he spots her through the crowd at yeah. the sexy the shirtless saxophone concert mm-hmm. that's happening on the boardwalk. And does it just say the banner behind the band just says live? And I'm like, is oh. <laughs> is that the name of the band? Or are you just I, telling I me there's live music? Because I can see that there's live music. Yeah, the other question I had was, is saxophone guy singing or is he lip syncing? I didn't think he was a singer. Did uh, he also you mean sing? in real life? Yeah. Uh, he is, he is list- well, he's probably lip syncing because just the way the movie's Well, sure, filmed. yeah. I just didn't think he was a singer. I thought he was just a saxophone player. No, I believe he is listed as performing that song. Okay, all right. So he maybe just isn't very good at lip syncing to his own music. <laughs> It's possible, yes. If it, if it was obvious. Uh, 
I didn't notice myself. It's all right. He is he is singing. Um, oh, the name of the song? Yeah, I can't remember. I I remember when they talked about it uh, in the trivia that that was supposed to be the breakout song. They really thought that was going to be the one. He is singing "I Still Believe," which apparently is a cover of a song by The Call. Okay. There's also a cover of Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me that I remember but don't remember. I no, I, I remember don't it being remember. I I remember it being in the movie but I don't remember it like from right now, from when I just watched it yesterday. I don't remember when it was used in the film. It's on yeah, the soundtrack. Yeah, I don't recall and I watched it this morning. So Maybe it maybe it's just in the soundtrack and isn't actually in the movie. That's possible. Maybe it got cut. Maybe it's on the cutting room floor. I've seen that in the past. A song that, yeah, a song that got cut. I've also seen albums that are like music from and inspired by. Inspired by. Whatever the movie is. Like, it's basically movie music we paid for and ended up not using. <laughs> right. <laughs> so here it is. But we got to fill up the album. We already paid for it. Here right. it is. Here it is. Enjoy. Uh, anyway. In the local comic book store, Sam meets brothers Edgar and Alan Frog. You see what they did there? A pair mm-hmm. of self-proclaimed vampire hunters. Apparently their parents own this store but just sleep in the corner. Sleep all day. Yeah. All the time. Every time we they're see high. them. They're high all day. They're just dozing. Yeah. Well, they're I mean, we only ever see them sleeping. They must. True. We might assume they're high, but. That is a weed nap. That's what that is. But it is. Or they're vampires because they are sleeping and wearing sunglasses. That's true. That's true. That Listen, conspiracy right there. You need to wake up at some point in order to get high, and we never see them awake at any point. Or maybe they're dead and the Frog Brothers are covering for the fact (laughs) that they're actually raising themselves. They don't want child services to come take them away. Right. So they've done a weekend at Bernie's. Yes. Yes. They hired Grandpa Joe to taxidermy their parents <laughs> and put them in the corner. Uh, uh, well, we know the Grandpa knows what's going on, so oh yeah, he, he might does, be into yeah. that kind of shenanigans. <laughs> we get a real—I feel this is a real douchey scene between Sam and Edgar and Allen, where they're just immediately antagonistic to him, and then he acts like an asshole as well right. with his like, "Oh, do you have Batman number 14? No, they don't have goddamn Batman number fourteen. <laughs> no, nobody you, does. You show off. He claims he they say one. that's a that's a rare book. There's only five in existence. Actually, there's only four. This four. is not true. There, it's not true <laughs> that the book is that rare. It is worth between five and fifty two thousand dollars, depending on condition. But there's more than it, it's not. I mean, it, you know, books over a certain age are just going to be worth something because they're old. Sure, but it's not. It's not the first appearance of anybody. Nothing significant happens uh. in it, and it's not only four copies in existence <laughs> the other comic books we see in this movie there is a woman reading a copy of sad sack that is apparently so funny she would rather continue reading this comic book than make out with her boyfriend yeah i've never in my life seen anybody <laughs> laugh out loud while reading a copy of sad sack and then there's a copy of vampires everywhere and destroy all vampires Right. And, and of course, all the com- all the comics we see on the shelves. But Sam also does this thing about uh, 
criticizing how they're displaying the comics. He's like, you can't have the Superman number 68s with the 200s because Red Kryptonite hasn't even been introduced yet or blah, blah. And I'm like, dude, these are clearly not arranged chronologically. They're not in bins. Bags and boards don't appear to exist yet. They're just sitting on, you know, the slanted Superman shelf. shelves. Yeah. yeah. And customers have come in and looked at them and rearranged them. Right. Right. And you're just trying to show off how much you know, but they they haven't made a conscious decision <laughs> to display the books. Yeah, I'm mean, at the very bottom of my of my list um, here that just says comic porn. Let Dominic talk as long as he wants to about it. <laughs> ah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Batman 14 shows up in the last movie in the Thirst. Ah, we see that Edgar has it. Presumably, got it from Sam. He's selling a bunch of comic books, but he won't sell that one. And then uh-huh. he lays it on Sam's grave and just leaves oh, it God. there. <laughs> Dude. Jesus. The book is worth at least $5,000. <laughs> Don't do that. Uh... At this point, he has discovered bags and boards. <laughs> and then apparently, I didn't notice it, but apparently there is, in the last movie, there's a bookstore that has comic books as well. And there's a copy of the Frog Brothers comic book in that ah. store. <laughs> anyway, they try to get him to take these vampire comic books, and he says, I don't read horror books. Right. But they're like, oh, this is educational. You need to, uh, you need to know this stuff. Right, if you're going to live here. Yeah. Michael finally talks to Star. David approaches and goads him into following them by motorcycle along the beach. They reach a dangerous cliff that Michael nearly drives over. At the gang's hangout, an abandoned luxury hotel sunken beneath the cliff by the 1906 earthquake. And I wrote, was David there? Are these, we don't really know right. how old these vampires are. They seem very hip and tuned into what's going on right now. So they might be kind of recent or they might be old and are just good at blending in. With the people that yeah, appear there. I mean, I, I think there's a good argument to be made that he's been around for a while. I think when you like when you look at Max, you know, he is so 80s, you know, like you're in his house and it's like all neon and like glass. <laughs> like he's wearing <laughs> shoulder pads the whole time. You know, like I mm-hmm. feel like he, he seems dated just because he's an older guy, you know, with these sort of 80s affectations. But he is definitely trying to blend in you know, to the mm-hmm. scene. So yeah. I think it's possible that they're, they're much older than they appear. Right. He does. He kind of seems like he, he talks about it kind of like he knows firsthand. Yeah. Uh, David initiates Michael, uh, but we knew, we do know that star and Laddie have recently been right. Turned partially turned partially turned. Half vampire. One of the rules here is you're only a half vampire until you, personally kill and feed on somebody your first time right and if you can if someone can manage to kill the vampire that turned you then you'll turn back or the head the head vampire head vampire yeah so and it's not clear did david turn star and laddie or did max turn them right that's never stated explicitly Uh, david initiates michael into the group star warns michael not to drink from an offered bottle warning it is blood but he ignores her advice. So another rule is they, they don't necessarily need to bite you. Right. But if you drink their blood. I've seen some versions where, Ooh. so every not everybody a vampire bites turns into a vampire. 
but they have to bite you. There has to be an exchange. They, exchange, they have to drink yeah. your blood and then you drink their blood. In this one, you apparently just have to drink their blood that is kept in a bottle and has not coagulated. Yes, because it's vampire blood, Bob's. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Later on, David and the others, including Michael, head to a railroad bridge where they hang off the bottom of the trestles over a foggy gorge. One by one, they fall, Michael falling after them. And then he just falls into his bed. I had a note about that. Like, is that a plot hole? Why do we, why does he not remember? But then it also seems from the conversation that he has with his mom, like later that day or on the phone, even that it's been days. He's been doing this for days. So I feel like it was almost like a montage ish change of uh -huh. time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Michael wakes up at home the next day, unaware of how he got there. His eyes are sensitive to sunlight, and he develops a sudden thirst for blood, which leads him to impulsively attack Sam. Yes. Sam in his bubble bath. In his bubble bath. Yeah. Singing along with the radio. Yeah. Sam's dog, Nanook, retaliates. Sam realizes that Michael's turning into a vampire, verified by his brother's semi-transparent reflection. Wait till mom finds out. Yeah. Don't tell mom. <laughs> Sam is initially terrified, but Michael convinces him he is not yet a vampire and desperately needs his help. Michael begins developing supernatural powers and asks Star for help. They have sex shortly after. Uh, they're uh, half vampires, I guess. They, uh, I don't know. I, I personally have an issue with the vampires having sex thing. Okay. That a lot of people seem to want them to always be doing. Well, the thing is... Vampires, like in, in Dracula, all the sex is subconscious and implied, but not actual. And vampires, they don't reproduce sexually. They reproduce infectiously by sure. biting you. And to me, the vampire should be all about that. And it should all be, you know, symbolic and, and suggestive. And it just lacks subtlety to me when the, when the vampires are actually banging and to mm. to what purpose to what purpose and isn't the thrill they get from drinking blood greater than that anyway and it just yeah it lacks subtlety i don't care for it but these two are still half vampires so okay there you go i'll i'll let it pass but yeah. in the in the sequels there's some straight up vampire banging and gratuitous nudity and stuff that we don't <laughs> have in this movie uh-huh uh, Sam deduces that as Michael has not killed anyone, he is a half vampire and his condition is reversible upon the head vampire's death. Sam and the Frog Brothers test whether Max is the head vampire during a date with Lucy. He comes over to their house for dinner, won't enter until Michael invites him. Right. And he, Sam has invited the Frog Brothers over and they're having a big spaghetti dinner and they, at first they get him to eat a bunch of garlic by telling him it's Parmesan. Yep. Then they spill some holy water on him, and Oops. he reacts, but he just reacts from having water spilled on him. They show a mirror, but his reflection shows in the mirror. So I don't know if they use a... They don't use a cross, do they? Well, I, no. I the holy, holy water would, would work. If the holy water okay. didn't work, a cross isn't going to no. work. Right, and they also do not stake him in the heart at that time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which is not... A valid way of testing whether someone's a no. vampire. No. <laughs> because that's going to kill, that's gonna that's kill gonna a human, kill too. Yeah. It's like drowning witches. Or... Right. 
Well, which would float, but... Oh, which would float, true. <laughs> so they decide to focus on David instead. To provoke him into killing, David takes Michael to stalk a group of beachgoers and instigates a feeding frenzy. These guys were described as surf Nazis. Surf Nazis. I saw that on the credits and was like, what? Yeah. What is that? What is I that thought mean? I heard somebody mention a swastika, but I didn't see oh, it. Maybe one of them, okay, maybe yeah, one of them has I, a tattoo. Maybe. And this is probably also just a reference to the movie Surf Nazis Must Die. Okay. Yeah, that's an actual movie. Okay, great. Let's see. Uh, instigates a feeding, he uh, instigates a feeding frenzy. Horrified, he escapes and returns home to Sam. Star then arrives and reveals herself as a half-vampire who wants to be cured. It emerges that David had intended for Michael to be Star's first kill, sealing her fate as a vampire. But he's already a half-vampire also, so would he be killed? That, uh, that part of the plan doesn't make any sense. Yeah, no, I don't know. The next day, a weakening Michael leads Sam and the Frog Brothers to the gang's lair. They impale one vampire, Marco, which is a... Uh, Bill of Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Alex Winter, yes. Alex Winter from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. One of his With few, an excellent mullet. Guy, that guy does not get enough work. Nope. Saw him in a Elijah Wood movie not too long ago. Oh, really? Yep. I don't remember what it's called. It was something they were watching on How Did This Get Made? Something mm. about a piano. Let's see. Uh, next day, we can Michael, uh, Marco with a stake. They impale Marco with a stake, awakening day. So this is where they're hanging upside down. Yes. We see that their feet, Vampire or maybe we feet. don't see the close-up of their feet. But we, we do, see that, yeah. Uh, I know we see it later when they wake up. Oh, maybe well, we see yeah. Okay. Anyway, right. they can grip. <laughs> their their feet are extended and they can grip onto a bar and yes. hang by it. Yeah. Uh, so And this wakes up David and the two others, but the boys escape, rescuing Star and Laddie, a half-vampire child and Star's companion. He has the coolest little Sergeant Pepper jacket. He does. Little band sort of jacket with double-breasted buttons. Very 80s, very cool. Yep. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. That evening, while Lucy is out with Max and Grandpa, is on a date with a widow, the widow Johnson. The teen, he's not on a date. They tell Grandpa they tell that she him. called, but she did not call, right. which I think is important later. Yes. The teens, arm, the teens arm themselves with holy water-filled water guns. I Had the super soaker not been invented yet? I assume they're using the little ones. The hard yeah, plastic. they're using very old-fashioned, very old-fashioned crappy water guns. And let me tell yeah. you, folks, when the Super Soaker was invented, that was a game changer <laughs> yes. in both water gun fights and fighting vampires with holy water. If Absolutely. you have a freaking Super Soaker, there are Super Soakers that have a tank you strap to your back. <laughs> so if you're going to be fighting vampires, that is what that's you the want. way to go. Yeah, yeah. They also have a longbow and wooden stakes barricading themselves in the house and they got a bunch of garlic but we find out it's no use yeah no use uh they fill up the bathtub with both 
so we see them burst into the church and just start filling up canteens from Canteen. the baptismal yes. font. <laughs> there, well, there's a baby being baptized, but then there's the two uh, fonts at the front where you bless yourself right. when you come in, and they just right. start filling up their canteens from that. Those don't usually have enough in them to actually fill a canteen. Oh, well. But there's often a cistern by the side that you can bring your own little bottle and fill up. Uh, anyway. Thank you for the Catholicism knowledge. Yeah, it's good to know. Good to know. Yeah, usually the one at the front, there's just a sponge with oh. it that's soaked in holy water. I see. Um, it depends. It, de it depends on the church. <laughs> I, it looks to me like the bathtub is partly filled with regular water because they did not yes. get enough in those canteens they did not to fill the whole bathtub. Get that many? No. And then they uh, they they um, add the holy also water. throw garlic. They add yes. garlic to it. Yes. Yeah. In the sequels, both the sequels, Edgar makes a thing called frog juice, that is a mixture of holy water, garlic, and an egg, a raw <laughs> egg. Uh, okay. And he drinks the he drinks this in the morning, and I guess he thinks it'll fortify him, <laughs> make him unappealing. Him on the you know? Yeah. Yeah. If, if they yeah, if somebody bit him, they would. <laughs> get a taste of this i don't know he doesn't never explicitly explains what the effect's going to be but he thinks it's going to work right there's a scene earlier where where uh sam wants is scared and wants to sleep with his mom and he's put garlic around his neck underneath his bathroom yes <laughs> uh so let's see they barricade themselves in the house when night falls david's gang attack the house and are a, as we said, able to enter without being invited. Right. But they are vulnerable to all of the things, so. Right. The Frog Brothers and Nanook kill Paul by pushing him into a bathtub filled with garlic and holy water, dissolving him. He tells us the garlic's no good, but right. holy water is. Holy Sam water. is attacked by Dwayne, another vampire, before he shoots an arrow through the heart and into the stereo behind him, electrocuting him. Most rock and roll death on film ever. <laughs> yes. The music starts playing and keeps playing, even though they've pierced the yeah. the stereo. And he says, death by stereo. Yes. <laughs> yeah. In all these movies, though, there is a time, sometimes it's throughout the movie, sometimes there's just a big info dump where they say, okay, this is what works and this is what doesn't work. And it often seems to be just arbitrary. Right. <laughs> sometimes it seems to be religious in nature or anti-religious. They want to tell us all that religious stuff doesn't work. Garlic works, silver works, wooden stake will work, but crosses and holy water don't work because, I don't know, the writer has issues or whatever. Right. Like, but if yeah. vampires are real. <laughs> you, you tell me vampires are real, but God's not? Okay, fine. Whatever. Okay, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Michael is then attacked by David, forcing him to use his vampire, vampire powers. He manages to, manages to overpower David and impales him on a set of antlers. However, Michael, Starr, and Laddie do not transform back to normal as they had hoped. Lucy then returns home with Max, who is revealed to be, bum, 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 the head vampire. He explains that inviting a vampire into one's house renders one powerless over said vampire. That was a very grammatical sentence. Leaving them unable to exploit any weakness the vampire has while there, explaining why their earlier assumption appeared to be incorrect. Max reveals he had instructed David to turn Sam and Michael into vampires so that Lucy could not refuse to be transformed herself, as his objective had been to make Lucy mother for his lost boys. Which is still not the plan that Star told us about uh, yeah, Michael. Right. As Michael pulls Lucy to him, preparing to transform her, he is killed 
when Grandpa crashes his truck through the wall of the house, impaling Max on a wooden fence post, causing him to explode. It, that's not what happens. That's not what it looks like. I don't know. I mean, it is a fence post, but it appears. Yes. We do see Grandpa. We see Grandpa planting, not planting, but inserting fence a, a big wooden post. He's repairing the fence, and he's, for some reason, sharpened the top of the post and is putting it in the ground earlier in the film. At right. this point, it appears that he's taken several sharpened posts and attached them to the top of his truck. No, I think he's got them like they're um, just stacked in the back because they no, they're fly on the front. off. No, he backs in. Well, when does he? Yeah. To me, they look like they were they were uh, attached to the hood. No, no, I think he but backs make... in because when he gets out of the truck, he gets out on the left he's hand side. Yeah, okay. and he's facing the other way. Okay. So that I think he backs in, and they they just fly off yeah. the back. Okay. Yeah, one of them definitely flies off and hits Max uh, right in the chest, and he explodes. Right. right. Michael, Starr, and Laddie then return to normal. Amongst the carnage and debris, Grandpa casually retrieves a drink from the refrigerator and declares, One thing about living in Santa Clara, I never could stomach. All the damn vampires. Right. He has great vampire dar as well because he picks up on Max, I think, from the beginning. As soon as Max, as soon as he sees Max asking to be invited in, I think Grandpa knows, oh, God, that guy's a vampire. Right. um, But at the time, we don't realize that Grandpa knows for a fact there's vampires. Sure. Anyway, my question is, how did Grandpa know he needed to drive through the front of his own house at that moment? Was it? As soon as he realized the widow Johnson hadn't invited him over, did he rush back? This is to me. This is similar to uh, yeah. Mila Jovovich driving through the stained glass window of the church in the second Resident Evil movie. How did she yes. know she there was knows. anyone in the needing, re- needing rescue? How did Grandpa know that he needed to do this at this moment? And you, you know, never... if you believe in vampires, you have to also believe in God. Yes, God told him. Grandpa. Yeah. <laughs> they need you. Quick. Yeah. Oh. Load up the back of the truck. <laughs> go, my child. Take the fence post. I need to go back and look and see if when he drives off, if all those sticks are in the back of his truck. Are there? At that time. Yeah. yeah. Or or if he loaded them up. And then. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. No, it's fine. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. Okay. I need to know what the sequence of events yeah. was. Uh, so there you have it. The Lost Boys. This movie is very, very, um, gay. What? Uh, I don't, it's not a criticism. It's an observation. <laughs> it's not a, What's, it's not, what do you I'm, mean? I'm saying there's some homoeroticism in this movie. You're Joel saying there's Schumacher. homoeroticism in this movie, Joel Schumacher? Yeah. Why, you know, why is, uh, there's so many Lost Boys in one Lost girl, I think she's there because Wendy. She's got to be Wendy sure, to yes. the Lost Boys. Except that she is not in the position of being a mother to the Lost Boys. She's not at all, right? Subservient she's the to them, yeah. But she's just a lure, right? To lure Michael in, who doesn't realize he's gay yet. Well, and who maybe isn't, but David wants to seduce <laughs> him. It does to seem to be very yeah. much about David seducing Michael, right? I was like, uh, well, I'm pretty sure that this is what's going on, but let me just see what the internet has to say about it. <laughs> and there were there were numerous articles 
<laughs> saying uh, this was the first queer movie I ever watched, and this movie <laughs> awakened things in me and clued me into stuff. And nice. And by the way, did you know Joel Schumacher's gay? Did, did had a, has anyone mentioned that? Well, I mean, he started his career as a fashion as a costume designer, so yeah. There you go. <laughs> Again, not that there's anything wrong with that. It's just a thing to make note of. Super gay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, I'm looking up Jason Patrick here because I'm like, I know that guy, but what the heck's he in? He was in Solar Babies just before this. He was. Yep. That was his first movie. His first movie. Solar Babies, 1986. He plays Jason, 1986, Solar Babies. That is a fun, ridiculous movie. (laughs) Uh, was, what is he most known for? He's been is praised it? a lot for uh, My Sister's Keeper, which is Cameron Diaz film from 2008, I believe. Okay. Okay. He's on Entourage. Yes. Oh, he was in Wayward Pines. Okay. He's in oh, something that's, right. that's not yeah. out yet. But wasn't he not on, was there not some particular thing he was, uh, he was in, in Speed 2, but not the star of it. No. He wasn't on one of those soap opera shows, 90210 or anything like that. I might be confusing him with No, else. you're thinking of Jason Priestley. Yeah, that's probably yeah. it. Yeah, d- different uh, different he's Jason. Done, done a lot of stuff, but uh, this would probably be his first big film because Solar yeah, Babies was kind of a little sleeper. And uh, certainly been in plenty of things throughout the years and still working now. So good for him. Yep. And of course, we all know Kiefer Sutherland. Yep. And I've always liked Edward Herman. He's, oh, right. he's my FDR. Oh, nice. Okay. He's played FDR more than once, including like a one-man stage show. Well, I knew. He, yeah. Okay. I didn't realize he had a stage he, show. Uh, didn't he play him in Annie? Annie. Yeah. But I think yes. he also plays him in a, in like a more serious film. And then it just kind of became a thing. And so he was like, screw it. He's doing a one man show. <laughs> nice. Yeah, where Edward Herman is FDR. <laughs> but he, I've got his autograph somewhere. I, oh, cool. There was a time a few years ago when I was aggressively collecting autographs through the mail and I have his. So he's great. And then we, we have the Corys, you know, the Corys. That's important. Yes. Was this their we first? Can't. Yes. I meant to mention that earlier. Yes. Th- was this, this was their, their first? first... Yeah, their first foray. Uh, so Corey Feldman had just done Goonies, so that's why he was cast, um, because it originally was kind of a Goonies treatment. Um, mm-hmm. And then they cast Corey Haim, who had done a couple of things uh, before this. But um, yeah, so this they, they ended up making six movies together. This was their first. Wow. They're real uh, um, Bing Crosby and Bob Hope thing yes. going on there. Yes, they were. And, you know, it's funny because, like, I was never a huge fan of Corey Feldman. Like, I always felt like Corey Feldman was acting, you know? Uh-huh. Um, Corey yeah. Feldman was was being a character as his character. Um, <laughs> and I, I just felt he was really affected. But Corey Haim, he's one of the most genuine presence presences on screen as a kid. Like, his reactions are just so sincere you know little things like uh there's a scene where um michael and sam are are they're in the taxidermy room for the first time talking to grandpa i can't remember exactly like what's being said but at one point Corey haim just like leans his head into jason patrick just this incredibly intimate brotherly moment 
um, that mm. I don't think you, I don't think you can direct, you know what I mean? Like he just, he made that connection that felt natural to him at the moment. And, you know, I, I feel like it was, it's such a shame we didn't get to see Corey Haim really become, you know, um, right. Just with all the, the, cra- the craziness that he went through and then, and then his untimely passing. Uh, yes. But yeah, I've, I've always been a big, a big fan of his. Yeah. Feldman is definitely putting on a voice in this movie. He's definitely playing a character. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I feel bad for Jameson Newlander <laughs> as Alan Frog. I'm like, do the Corys just bond? Cause they're both named Corey. I and mean, did, Jay, did they not let Jameson sit at the craft service table with them or what? You know, why <laughs> did they not bond? Why weren't the three of them in a bunch of shit together? Uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't I don't know. Well, part of it is, though, I mean, they're not calling the shots. They're not the ones deciding at that age. No. Somebody in Hollywood is deciding to put them in movies together. Exactly. And they decided decided that Jason Jameson could go fuck himself, apparently. I mean, he's not as he is not as magnetic on screen as either of them, I don't think. No, but he does a he does a perfectly fine job, I think. Oh, it's fine. Sure. Sure. So I want to you didn't watch the the sequels but i'm going to discuss them briefly we won't go for it either of them uh the tribe folks you can if you're pressed for time you can skip the tribe the tribe is the kind of sequel that i hate which is the kind that just goes back over the you know i i call it the second verse same as the first a little bit louder and a little bit worse it's just going back over the same territory that we saw in this movie with just minor changes. It's a brother and sister moving to a a different small town, but Edgar Frog is living there. They've recently lost both their parents, but they move into this shack alone and they run into some vampires. Um, Tom Savini's movie starts with some vampire on vampire violence. Tom Savini gets attacked by some, he's a vampire who gets attacked by some surf vampires. As you said, Kiefer's half, yeah, Kiefer's <laughs> half brother is in it. Well, that one is all about being surfers. They ride motorcycles at one point, but they're about surfing. Uh, I see. Uh, but they still, well, they in this one they seduce the sister, but then also the brother. They're trying to seduce both of them. Anyway, they go to Edgar Frog for help, who is a surfboard shaper and vampire hunter. But in the mid-credit scene, he meets up. Well, he impl- he indicates throughout the movie that his he lost his brother to vampirism, which is why he's ah. willing to help when this guy's sister's in trouble. And then at the in the closing credit scene, he meets up with Sam, who is now a vampire, and then they appear to go at it. And then there's an alternate scene. One where Sam's a vampire and one where Sam's not a vampire. And he's warning him in the, I think in both versions, I don't know. Definitely in the not a vampire one, he's shown up to warn him that his brother is coming to get him. And then we cut to Jameson Newlander and his girlfriend in a car driving really fast on their way to get him. Mm -hmm. But then in the thirst, so I think by the, I think... They wanted Corey Haim to be in the thirst, but he was busy, but indicated he would will be willing to come back for a fourth movie. Hmm. But then I think he ended up dying before the movie was made or before it was finished. 
so they refer to Sam's apparently that fight they had in the closing credits uh, is when he had to kill Sam and they tell us that because of that Michael and Star don't want to talk to Edgar Edgar goes to Alan for help Alan is living secluded puttering in a basement and is a vampire but then it turns out maybe he's a half vampire oh there's an opening scene where they are in Washington D.C. Uh, rescuing so convoluted <laughs> there a senator is about to feed on a congressperson a representative i guess okay and they rescue because he he yells at calls the one vampire senator but then he refers to the guy he rescues as congressman Congressman. <laughs> and they they rescue that guy but during the fight alan gets bitten mm. but apparently he spent the next five years not feeding, staying a half vampire, because they are able to restore him by the end of the movie. Ah. But I would say skip the tribe, but the thirst has a bunch of different stuff going on. He's not just he he's going to try to rescue somebody's brother who's been captured by vampires, and there's a whole plot. There's it's one of those we should be ruling the world things. Ah, okay, yes. Every few years, some vampire asshole decides that this system that's been working for millennia is no good and we should not be working now, yeah. Ruling the cattle. And of course, right. that never works out for them. No, no. But did you but read that's Empire what it, of the Vampire by Jay Kristoff? No. Well, that that is the whole idea of it that the vampires have taken over and now they can't find any food <laughs> so. there is a i can't remember now what it's called anno dracula by kim newman in anno dracula dracula has uh, i think he ends up biting the queen his plan to invade england has worked his plan from the original book ah. has worked but and in the original book it just seems like well i need fresh blood this transylvania blood's getting me down <laughs> i need fresh blood but it has him, you know, seducing the queen, biting her, making himself the consort. And now there's sort of a ruling class of vampires. Ah. Uh, but they have, you know, they haven't just let it run out of control so that they have nothing to eat. Right. <laughs> I was rewatching Blade. I'm probably going to do an episode with somebody. I was rewatching Blade. But in Blade, yeah, the guy's going to do something that's going to turn everybody into vampires. Everyone into like, a vampire. How, and like, a how is that going to work out her. for you? Yeah. <laughs> Like, you want to think that through? Yeah. Uh, but anyway, I like the thirst because it takes it. It doesn't just do the same thing, but it also sure. takes it up a notch. There's yeah. something bigger going on than just this one little family in this tiny little town. They do use cry a cover of Cry Little Sister in both of those movies. I did see Aiden. that McMahon actually made a country western version for True Blood. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Which I'm going to look that I didn't up. Watch. But yes, you should definitely uh, look it up. <laughs> it's probably on YouTube. I will look it up. Yep. <laughs> oh, man. Let me make a note of that. <laughs> make a note. <laughs> Country. Okay. <clears throat> so I think this movie does have an excellent soundtrack, though. It does. That is That is true. Any final thoughts? Um, just, you know, this, this movie, obviously the other two that you mentioned, you know, was, was the, the vampire 
resurgence and rebranding of, you know, the 80s. Then we got the vampire rebranding of, you know, in the Twilight, uh, Twilight years. Um, uh-huh. But, you know, clearly vampire romance in general, is it is a flourishing subgenre in the, the book community. Yes. Like mm-hmm. people eat that shit up, you know, and I yeah. know you don't like vampire sex, but I have to say that, yeah. you know, when a, when a species relies so heavily on sexual appetite in order to um, procure their food, uh, us ladies are going to think about bonking them. So <laughs> it's just going to happen. Well, I, I'm fine with the vampire letting you think he's going to do you, but oh, then he's just going to oh, okay. bite you. Oh, he's gonna bite well, you. Yeah, I don't know. I think. I'm well, that's have also to... part of the. Okay, I'm gonna. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have gonna to give come first. You know what I mean? Like me first. <laughs> no, you don't. Then you. you don't get to though. That's the whole thing. That's the whole thing. Okay, I think I need to give a trigger warning here. I'm going okay. to discuss sex, sexual assault. Got it. The vampire is performing a form of rape. Yes. But unlike your normal rape, where there might, which might result in life. As traumatic as that might be for somebody, there's still, you know, life coming from it. The vampire rape is impotent. It it results in nothing but death. Unless you're turned, and then it's immortal life. Yeah, but you're still dead, and you're cursed, and you're damned, and all of that. Yeah, blah blah stuff. But it it is a it is a violation that only takes, and not that other violations are okay in any way, but but it is just an extra level of bad, and then all it does is 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 take from you without giving anything. And that's, you know, I, I think this, the symbolism of that is lost when they're, they're just seducing their victims and just having sex with them. Okay. So I can see that. Yeah. That's my thought. All right. But you, there's also though, the Anne Rice wave between those two. Right. Waves. That's true. In the eighties, the vampire is still the bad guy. I blame Anne Rice for twilight. <laughs> In the, yeah, she made us Anne Rice be- then, she made them sympathetic. Yes. She yes. does a sympathy for the devil version of the vampire. We're like, oh, right. they're just misunderstood. Oh, poor babies. They're grieving. Look at them. Yeah. Yeah. And then that just, uh, which the thing is, though, in her first book, she makes most of vampires out to be assholes. And then she comes along with Lestat and tells us, oh, no, no. Louis just had the they're wrong perspective tortured. on everything. Yeah. <laughs> if you just see it all from Lestat's point of view, it's it's fine. Don't worry right. about it. Those two women he killed, they deserved it. Whatever. Yeah. Oops. <laughs> so, and then uh, then Twilight takes it a step further, and they're just shiny and... Ugh. They're good inside. Ugh. And that's another <laughs> case of the symbolism being lost. You know, the vampire, it's not that the sun... It's not nothing to do with ultraviolet rays or any of that. It's all symbolic. The sun represents God and life and goodness, and, and they can't bear to look at it. Sure. And in the twilight, it's just like, oh, no, if we step out in the sun, you'll just see how wonderful we are because we'll sparkle. <laughs> so we have to hide our light under a bushel and we can't step yeah. out into the sun. And, you know, <laughs> fuck you. Yeah. Yeah. Screw, <laughs> screw that noise. No, I'm going to eat it up. I'm going to eat it up every time. <laughs> every Kill time. them. Kill them all. <laughs> Her name is Buffy the Vampire Slayer, not I mean, Buffy, I love Buffy the Vampire too. Lair. Kill yeah. that guy. Kill him. Did you did you read the new uh, Kendara Blake uh, um, sequel, Buffy sequel? 
No, I didn't know that. Okay, was so one. she just came out with it. I think was it in January? Yeah, January. And the second book's coming out this next January. But it's the it's Willow's daughter is taking over as the okay. next Slayer. So it was okay. really good. I enjoyed it a lot. Don't get me started on Slayers. They're just <laughs> so now what? It's I'm just... sorry. Okay, there's just a... Ch- uh, all right, we're getting way off topic here, folks, but we're going to do it. Sorry. Screw it. All right, in the original Buffy the Vampire Slayer, they talk about there being a Slayer born every generation. And the right. implication in that movie is that the reason it is because it's the same entity being reborn. So when the when the Slayer dies, as they inevitably will, doing the kind of work they do, sure. then they have to get reincarnated and reborn. Okay. Uh, because it is because it's Christy Swanson herself in the flashback scene. Right. And, and you know, Joss Whedon himself didn't direct that movie, but it seems to be what's implied in the script. What he's thinking. Yeah. OK. Yeah. And then somewhere along the way in his TV show, he decides that that's Never not mind. the case, that when the Slayer dies, a new Slayer is activated. Right. And even if the Slayer is revived... The new Slayer will still be active. Right. And the Watchers will somehow know, because that's the other thing. The Watcher, in the original, the Watcher is also being reincarnated, but he has some memory and knows what he needs to do and knows he needs to go find the Slayer. But somehow the Council of Watchers will be aware that there's a new Slayer and they will assign somebody to go watch her. Yes. Which will just, which will be a woman, not because it's a woman being reincarnated as herself, but just because for whatever reason. Only women can kill kill vampires. Yeah. Right. And then. To take back their sexual power. I guess. And then (laughs) it changes even further at some point where, okay, it's just really sort of a power source and we could, and there's all these potential slayers. It becomes a Green Lantern core. There's all these potential worthy slayers out there that if we and could if we just break, them. if we could somehow override the 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 lock or whatever, <laughs> we could give them all access to the slayer power and have a whole army of them. right. And I'm like, what? Are, what are you even talking about? What is going on here? It just, I think he just changed his mind. I don't think that was his idea at all to start with. He just thought, oh, wouldn't it be cool if there's a whole army of them? Uh, what can I do to make that yeah, happen? How can I so. do that? Yeah. Well, then don't read this book. <laughs> <laughs> if you have issues with those turns, do not read that book. I just, I mean, you know, that was, people are so sad that Firefly got canceled. But I was like, you know, I was sad at the time, but now I'm glad because it didn't have time to turn shitty. And get weird. True. Buffy and, and it, Buffy and Angel both had some seasons that we could have done without. True. And yeah. went went in directions that they shouldn't they have gone weird. in. And yeah. that never Firefly never had the chance to go down that hole. And we so. got Serenity, you know, so we yeah. got that closure. So Yeah. All good. Well they did a I I did not know there was a new Buffy novel, but they did and I guess it's still going. They did a comic book reboot. First, they did a comic book continuation. There was a comic book while it was on the air. But like many comic books, it was only semi-official mm. in that if they, they might, the, in that the writers of the TV show weren't going to pay any attention to that continuity. Right. right. They might write something and contradict it and not care. But then they did one that was a, this is season whatever, season mm. eight. This is the official season eight. This is officially what happened. And they did several issues of that. 
and they did an Angel one too, picking up with that cliffhanger ending of Angel. But now they've done one where it's just a reboot. We're going to start over and tell the story again, but in a slightly different way. We're going to take that starting premise and then just kind of like the Star Trek movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Take the initial setup, but then just New tell timelines. whatever story we want. Not, yeah. Right. And like they do with Superman and Batman every now and then. Sure. But they were still drawing them to look like the actors that played them on the TV oh, show. Oh, interesting. Okay. So I guess this novel is a is a, a third thing that... Yeah, what, and it uh, seems to be he's based it completely the next on... generation? Yes, on, on the TV show and where the TV show ended. So you think she's ignoring the so-called official... I think she's maybe ignoring the official. Or did she just jump ahead? She may have just jumped ahead. I don't know. When we, when we meet um, the characters, Buffy is actually going to a conference of the Slayers. (laughs) Uh, You know, they're all getting together, which seems like a terrible idea. And it turns out that it Mm. is. Um, But yeah, so all the Slayers (laughs) are are activated. and, And so they're having a conference and, and we hear about it from Willow's daughter's perspective. Okay. Well, yeah. if there's, Willow has a daughter, she's definitely jumping ahead. Okay. What's going on yes. with that? Did she go, did she just get a donor? Did she go back to liking men or what? I think she got a donor. I think she and okay. the the girlfriend who uh, then died. No, she, I, the new some, girlfriend. Okay. New girlfriend. I don't yes. know. She got a new, I don't know. I, I didn't care for how they I, handled that. Just, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But I think. They didn't. <sighs> I don't know. They they seem to think that in the they seem to think that sexuality is binary rather than fluid, and it was just like they flipped a switch, and then she was. And and she's then, just yeah. like, she's just like, I'm just gay now. Just Those gay guys now. I used to be attracted to don't care about them anymore. Well, but we don't, also don't. I mean, as a culture, we didn't have a really an understanding of fluidity at that time either. Yeah, I guess so. It, it, I think it was there was just this. Yeah, I I I, I thought it lacked a. Nuance. It definitely liked nuance, but as a culture, we lacked nuance of our understanding of it yeah, too. Yeah. So you know, mm-hmm. it is what it is. It was a, it was a nice. It was nice that they included some queerness in the storyline at yes. all. They did not have to do that. Sure. So. Yeah, but I was just I like, don't forgive it. Don't try to tell me that she doesn't still like Xander. Yeah. Or or that she never really did or anything. Right. You know, just because she see also Xander, likes. So we see Xander as, a, as an adult. We see Willow as an adult. We see Spike. Spike is still part of the story. Does he still have an eye patch? Does Xander still have an eye patch? Yes. He does still have an Good. eye patch. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's, so that's because that, ladies and gentlemen, is the way to get the chicks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is, is, with an, is with an eye patch. Um, I'll all, tell the all chicks that. that. All, all the girls in that Slayer army. Wanted to get with uh, Xander once he had an eye patch. Once he had the eye patch. Yeah. All right. Uh, and he started wearing black too because you got to color coordinate right. with your eye patch. Absolutely. <laughs> it's easier to just have one black eye patch. Then. Just one black eye patch and everything else matches that. Yep. All right. I think we've gotten way off the rails here. Ah, uh, you know, it's all right. When you talk so, vampires, you got to talk about all the vampires. You can't like, yeah, you can't stop. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I can't stop, won't stop. All nope. right. Uh, but I think we're going to we're going to wrap it up here, folks. Michelle, thank you for joining me. Absolutely. Always a pleasure. We'll be back tomorrow with another in our 31 Days of Horror 
slouching inexorably towards Halloween ends. Until then, I've been your host, Precious D. Remember to keep calm and seek shelter in basements. Whatever you do, do not misuse science. We will not see you, but you will hear us next time on Monster Movie Funtime Go. You've been listening to Monster Movie Funtime Go. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and review us on your podcasting platform of choice. Our theme song is by the Texacato Folk Rock Punk featuring Lita Lopez. You can support the show, find links to our social media, and even leave us a voice message at anchor.fm slash mnftg.